0: Hello and welcome to this week's recording of the local news brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you would like to make a donation towards the running costs, or if you have Some comments about our service. Please leave a message in your wallet or give us a ring at Colin Chance House. I am Sally, and Rhiann and Hannah are reading with me, and Nigel is our sound engineer. We will be covering the news, including Friday, March the fourth, up until Thursday, March the tenth. We'll start with the headline stories, followed by general stories from the week, then a couple of sporting items. And the obituaries will be at the end of the recording. The thought for the day is taken from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 48, 51, and 52. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving Jericho, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man replied, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And today the sunrise is 6.35am and the sunset is 6.03pm. So I'll now pass you over to Rianne for some useful phone numbers. Thank you. Here in Wiles Lane the number
1: is 01905 Police non-emergency 101, Crime Stoppers 0800, Trouble Five Trouble One, Worcester Hub 01905 765765, 765. Worcester Live 01905 611427, Malvern Theatres 01684 892277, Out of Hours Medical Services. One, one, one. Free phone number for Samaritans. double one six, one two three. The next item is the Watson,
2: and you've just had the telephone number for booking those. First one, Malvern Theatre. The National Theatre Live is showing hex. On Thursday, the seventeenth of March at seven pm. And it's a vividly original retelling of Sleeping Beauty, a mythic, big-hearted, new musical that goes beyond the waking kiss. Deep in the wood, a lonely fairy longs for someone to bless. When she's summoned to the palace to help the princess sleep, her dream turns into a nightmare and her blessing becomes a curse. On the same night, 17th March, is... The Sensational Sixties Experience. It's a spectacular of pure nostalgia. The show, with the definite feel-good factor, will transport you back to the magical decade as five legendary names take to the stage and deliver a night never to be forgotten. On an hour and a half late, with Griff Rhys-Jones and Janie D is on, um, hang on, March the 14th to Saturday, uh, Monday the 14th to Saturday the 19th and it all looks rosy in leafy London W4. Peter is about to retire and sell his half of the accountancy business to his partner. They'll be loaded. Laura has just packed their youngest off to university and the world is their oyster. Will they go on a cruise, hike in the Himalayas, take up golf? All that remains is for the documents to be signed. They're off for a celebratory dinner when Laura drops a bombshell. And in Worcester, you've got at the Huntingdon Hall, Rowan Reingans, and it's called Dispatches on the Red Dress. This is on Wednesday the 16th at 7.30. And this is an intimate and courageous new solo show by TWICE-BBC Radio 2 Folk Award-winning songwriter Rowan Reinganz. Unravelling the joy and pain from her own grandmother's youth in 1940s Germany, multi-award-winning folk musician Rowan celebrates subtle acts of resistance and boldly asks a troubling question for our time. Can hope for the future be found in the darkest pockets of our history? On Thursday and Friday, 17th and 18th of March, also at 7.30, you can see Roy Chubby Brown at the Huntingdon Hall. Chubby came from a tough start in life to become one of the most successful comedians in the world. Chubby's real name is Royston Vasey, which is the name of the village in the popular TV series The League of Gentlemen, which highlights the respect that modern writers and comedians have for him. And also in Worcester, you've got at Huntington Hall on the 20th, that's Sunday at 7.30, Kletchmer Kletschma-ish. Meet Kletchmarish, four incredible outward-looking classical-trained musicians who met whilst playing with the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra. They are drawing their inspiration from the music of bygone travellers. The quartet explores the music of immigrants from various cultural backgrounds who left their homelands in pursuit of a different life. At the Henry Sanden Sanden Hall, you've got a talk by Tim Barney, Interceptor, Fighter Aircraft Development During the Second World War. And this is on Tuesday, the 22nd of March at 7.30. For many of us, the Battle of Britain is the key narrative of the Second World War and the sleek, elegant Spitfire is its supreme icon. If you're interested in classic fighter planes like this and would like to know more about their design and development, then this is the talk for you. At the Swan Theatre, you've got a variety show at uh, 7.30 on Friday, 18th March. This classic variety show will keep you fully entertained, so sit back and enjoy as these professional entertainers grace the stage. Join us for an evening of great talent from the amazing voice of Martin Dominic and the showmanship of Peter Lewis to the comedy of hilarious Bob Taylor. And again at the Swan. Theatre, Saturday the 19th, Sunday 20th, Saturday 26th and Sunday 27th of March at 12.30pm and 6.30pm. Theatre lives, sorry, Theatre lives on. As theatres around the country close their doors, Happy Steps performers have been eagerly awaiting the the chance to step on stage, and now, with the doors open again, they're ready to entertain. Children from the age of two, students and adults alike, are here to take their spot on the stage and perform a variety of music from musicals old and new, with something for everyone.
0: Thank you, Johanna. And now we'll start with the headlines. Friday, the 4th of March... Two killed in A four hundred forty nine crash Two men have died after a crash near Worcester. The drivers of both cars died at the scene after a head on crash on the A four hundred forty nine. Police say they believe one of the cars involved in the crash was going in the wrong direction at the time. The crash took place on the dual carriageway near to the Ombersley Junction at nine thirty six PM on Wednesday. Officers from West Mercia Police are now appealing for witnesses and dashcam footage as they continue to investigate what happened. A police spokesman said, Sadly, the drivers of both vehicles died at the scene. While the investigation is ongoing, officers believe that one of the cars, a white Ford Mondeo, was travelling in the wrong direction and will have joined the A449 after taking the incorrect slip road and collided with an oncoming car, a black Vauxhall Astra. We would like to hear from anyone who witnessed the collision, and anyone who may have dashcam footage that can help with our investigation. Our thoughts are with both families of the victims, at what will be a terribly sad time for everyone, and the next of kin of both victims have been notified. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesperson said, Upon arrival, we found the drivers of the two cars both in a critical condition. Unfortunately, it immediately became apparent that nothing more could be done to save them and they were confirmed deceased at the scene. One ambulance, two paramedic officers and a merit trauma doctor and critical care paramedic attended the scene as well as firefighters from Worcester and Droitwich. Police closed the A449 in both directions overnight for an investigation with Worcestershire Highways advi- advising drivers heading to Worcester to go via the A442 Cuttnall Green or A38 Fernal Heath routes before police reopened the road yesterday morning. Anyone with information is asked to call 101, quoting 5881. Campaigners have previously called the road one of the deadliest in Worcestershire and dubbed it Killer Road with fatal crashes on the A449 in 2006, 2007, 2012, 2017, and 2018.
1: Saturday, March the 5th and Sunday, March the 6th. Sun inspires fight for life. My son isn't ready to lose his mum. Those are the fighting words of a woman with terminal cancer who needs to undergo treatment to extend her life. Beth Walsh of Bath Road needs to have three to four rounds of chemosaturation, also known as Delcath, to extend her life, which cost £40,000 per treatment. The 49-year-old's life was turned upside down after she was diagnosed with a liver-dominant metastatic ocular melanoma in 2020. It is a secondary liver cancer arising from a very rare form of primary cancer of the eye called ocular melanoma, which led to Mrs Walsh having an eye removed. Mrs Walsh has one very important reason behind her fight for her life, her son Alfie. She said, I have a 14-year-old son and my main reason is him. He's not ready to lose his mum. The treatment is a way of treating liver metastases by delivering chemotherapy specifically to the liver, reducing side effects and allowing the liver to be saturated with the relevant drugs. It's not available on the NHS, but was approved by National Institute for Health and Care Excellence in April on the basis of its record as a safe and efficacious treatment in terms of overall and symptom-free survival. Her family has funded the first round of treatment, which she will undergo on March the 29th. Friends quickly formed Beth's army to help her with the mammoth task of raising the money. It's amazing. Sometimes I wonder what I've done to deserve all this love and support, she said. I'm really grateful. I found losing my mum last year harder than getting the diagnosis because it was a shock and she was such a big support. But I have an amazing circle of friends and family around me. Best friend Bev Bevan, who runs Worcester Theatre Makers alongside Mrs Walsh, has organised a fundraising disco with DJ Ed Steelfox. Mrs Bevan from Rushwick said, I have known Beth since the 90s. We are best friends and the thought of her not being around is inconceivable. She's just the absolute best. She's incredible and over the years I have learned so much just from being her friend. I was racking my brain for ages to think what I could do and realised music is her heart and soul. She loves music. Mr Seal Fox said, Beth has always been the life and soul of the party and one of the first on the dance floor every time. Beth's Army, funky fundraising disco with Ed Steelfox, will take place on Friday, April the 8th from 8pm at the Mars Bar, Pierpoint Street, with tickets at £10 from wegottickets.com slash event slash 537139. To donate, visit gofundme.com slash f slash gofundme.com Beth's Army.
2: And on Monday, March the 7th, the headline was On Revenge Trail of Destruction, Woman Smashed Up Cars in Parking Row. A small angry woman armed herself with a piece of wood before smashing up three of her neighbours' cars in a revenge attack over parking. Annette Keeley of Malvern Road, Worcester, told officers she'd just had enough when she attacked the cars, smashing the windscreen of two of the vehicles, including one belonging to an intimidating neighbour twice her size. The 56-year-old admitted possession of an offensive weapon and three charges of criminal damage against cars belonging to Bruce Powell, John Spinetto and Richard Brakewell. She further admitted common assault against Mr. Brakewell, although she did not actually hit him with a piece of wood when she appeared before magistrates in Worcester. The incident happened outside a block of flats in Worcester on February 3rd at 10.45pm. She smashed the windscreens of Mr. Brakewell's car and that of Mr. Powell's, also putting dents in the bonnet of Mr. Powell's car, Mr Spinetto's car also suffered dents in the course of her swinging the wood at the other two cars. Samreen Afsar, prosecutor, said Mr Brakewell went outside after hearing his car alarm going off and had tried to reason with the defendant. He told her to calm down and go back inside. He states she was continually striking his vehicle, causing damage to that vehicle and another that belonged to another resident. A third vehicle was also damaged belonging to Mr Spinetto, said Mrs Afsa. During the incident, Keeley's partner also tried to calm her down and pull her back inside, the court heard. Mr. Brakewell believed he was going to be assaulted, but there was no actual assault, said Mrs. Afsar. In interview, she stated she just had enough and damaged the vehicles belonging to Mr. Brakewell and Mr. Powell and accidentally damaged the vehicle belonging to Mr. Spinato," said Mrs. Afsar. In a victim personal statement, Mr. Brakewell wrote... I really don't want to live here anymore because of what has happened. I just want my windscreen and any damage to be paid for. I'm really concerned about what she'll do in terms of repercussions. Mrs Afsar, who described the incident as a revenge attack, said there was fear caused to Mr Breakwell. Keeley had one caution from 2006, but no convictions at all before this matter. Barry Newton, defending, disputed it was a revenge attack and emphasised the offensive weapon was not a baseball bat but a piece of wood three foot long and about an inch and a half thick. He said, was it a revenge attack? Mr. Newton sighs heavily, it's not in my book a revenge attack that suggests warring factions.' This is a neighbour dispute where she has had a little bit too much to drink, lost her temper and took out her anger on inanimate objects. Mr Newton told magistrates she had drunk two large glasses of wine and a Jack Daniels. The Worcester solicitor asked that she be afforded maximum credit for her early guilty pleas and her cooperation with the police. He told the court, she says, I lost my temper and smashed the cars up. It was me. I admit it. I lost it. There has been falling out in recent times. She finds Mr. Brakewell quite intimidating. She's barely five foot tall. Mr. Brakewell is six foot tall and of large build. She thinks he's probably twice her weight. She has found behaviour by him intimidating and somewhat worrying to her. There was a falling out over the New Year period. Mr Newton said there were no allocated spaces and that Mr Brakewell had been encouraging Mr Spinetto to park in a bay that had been used by Keeley's partner. He also stressed that no figure had been provided to the court about the damage caused. As they were all insured, the liability was going to be their excess on their insurance, he said. Magistrates fined her £200 and ordered her to pay £100 in compensation to each of the three victims of the criminal damage. Keeley was also ordered to pay a further £50 in compensation to Mr Brakewell for the common assault. A victim surcharge of 34 pounds was also ordered the money will be deducted from her
0: benefits Tuesday March the 8th he's left a huge void in the family a man killed in a head-on crash on the A449 near Ombersley had helped save the life of his fiance in December Tim Yap a 50-year-old grandfather from Kidminster was driving to work in Worcester last Wednesday when he was involved in a crash with a car coming in the opposite direction. Both Mr Yap and the driver of the other car, 37-year-old father of two, James Duffy, were pronounced dead at the scene. Mr Yap's stepson, Jack Hodgkins, has set up a GoFundMe page to help towards paying for the funeral of a great man. Mr Hodgkins said his stepfather was a dedicated family man who did not have a bad bone in his body. He saved the life of my mum in December. She went into cardiac arrest and he helped bring her back, lying her on her side and talking to her. Tim was a loving family man devoted to his fiancée, kids and stepkids and even the extended family. A huge void in the family. Tim was a man who would go miles out of his way to do anything for anyone who needed help. He was a genuinely good man and not a soul has a bad word to say about him. His unexpected death has left a huge void in the family. We reported yesterday that James Duffy, who also died in the crash, had just started a job as a new pub chef and was on his way home at the time of the collision. Mr Duffy's sister Fiona Hall said... He was funny and fun-loving, who lived life to the fullest. He was very adventurous and loved everything that involved outdoors or a challenge. He was an amazing dad to his nine-year-old son, Jackson, and to his stepson, Cameron. We're raising money to give him the funeral he deserves. Anyone that knew James will know how he lit up whatever room he was in, and he will be truly, truly missed. Police are still appealing for information about the crash, specifically anyone who may have dashcam footage that could help with their investigation.
1: Wednesday, March the 9th. Four-legged pursuit for police. Police were called to help round up escaped horses in Worcester in the early hours of this morning. Four horses were reported to have been running down the road unattended in and around Waterworks Road. Mike Sneath of Waterworks Road said I was woken at about 2.30am this morning to the sound of horses running around. When I looked out of my bedroom window I saw four horses running up and down the road with a number of police officers attempting to catch them. Cleverly, the police managed to corral the horses in the Environment Centre car park which only has one entrance exit. Then, at about 3.30am four people arrived in a van and led the horses away. The horses were wearing rugs, so I guess they had got free from a yard somewhere, maybe in Clains, as that is not far away. I think they gave the police quite the runaround. Police initially responded to reports of the horses being loose in neighbouring streets before they made their way to Waterworks Road. A West Mercia police spokesperson said, Officers attended because of the danger to road users as well as to the horses. The owner was identified and the horses returned. And
2: today's headline is Roof Hit by Blaze. A blaze ripped through the roof of a barn house with firefighters fighting flames for several hours. Fire control initially said it was dealing with a major incident after the fire broke out in the roof of a home in Crown Lane, Witchbold. Five fire crews from across the county were sent to the blaze with firefighters on an aerial ladder tackling the flames. Extensive damage was caused to the barn house's roof with fire crews fighting the blaze at the property for over three hours. Nobody is believed to have been hurt in the fire and a fire investigation is set to take place. A neighbour said they saw blue lights and the police cordoned off the road just after Pigeon House close after the fire broke out after 7am yesterday. The resident said, I saw three fire engines this morning and some police support to close the road with some bollards. There were lots of blue lights. I'm led to believe there was a fire down the lane at some houses. I didn't see anything other than that, what's going on in the road. However, I understand there were no injuries. A spokesman for Hereford and Worcestershire Fire and Rescue said... We were called at 7.07 a.m. today to a report of a fire in the roof of a residential dwelling in Witchbold. Crews deployed from Droitwich, Redditch, Kidderminster, Bromsgrove and Worcester. Four appliances are still on the site whilst the incident is dealt with. A fire investigation officer is present. We have no reports of any casualties. Piles of timber and tiles could be seen outside the house as several fire engines remained at the site until just after 10.30 a.m. West Mercia police said officers from West Mercia police were called to the scene of a fire in which bowled shortly before 7.30 a.m. They assisted with road closures to enable fire crews to attend the scene and were stood down shortly before 10 a.m.
0: And now the general news from the week. A school is looking for more keen cyclists to take on a fundraising challenge in May. New College Worcester, a residential school for blind and partially sighted students, has a team of riders taking part in the Etape du Dales, a 110-mile ride through the Yorkshire Dales. The route contains many of the county's major climbs and the dales of Wharfdale, Littendale, Wensleydale, Swaledale... Argandarthdale, Burkdale, Garsdale, Dentdale, and Ribbledale, and there isn't a set of traffic lights to be seen. Among those riding for Team NCW is Tom Petrolsky, who works for Platform Housing Group and has lived in Worcester since 2006. He said, New College Worcester is an amazing institution which I have admired for years now for their work with young people to give them the best possible start in life. I did similar challenges before, and although they are not getting easier, as I am getting older, I cannot miss this opportunity to support a fantastic local institution. I was also shocked to read how irresponsible road users were endangering NCW students. The new Highway Code provides and refirms protections for vulnerable road users, including people with visual impairments. We must remember this rather than engaging in silly identity wars. It would be great to recruit a few more cyclists for mutual support during the training period and during the challenge itself. Duncan Palmer, who lives in Tenbury Wells, has also signed up to a challenge. He has worked at Platform Housing Group for the last 10 years. He turned his attention to cycling following a 20-year career playing amateur football. He said the Etape du Dales sounded like the perfect opportunity to combine a great charity event with his newfound hobby. He is hoping to meet some new friends and raise some much-needed funds along the way. If you'd like to join the team or find out more information, please contact Lottie on 01905 Worcester City Council's party leaders will welcome
1: refugees from Ukraine with open arms as the city turns blue and yellow. The leaders of four political parties in Worcester have released a statement voicing their support for the city's Eastern European population and the nation of Ukraine. A Ukrainian flag will be flown in Cathedral Square while the Guildhall will be lit up blue and yellow. A candlelit vigil will also take place next week to give Worcester residents a chance to pay respect to those affected by the conflict. The statement read, There can be no one in Worcester who is unmoved by the plight of Ukraine at this terrible time. Our city and county are home to a strong and proud Eastern European population and we know that they will stand with us when we say that our hearts go out to the people of Ukraine. Many refugees from this conflict will make their way to the UK under the government's programme, and we look forward to welcoming some of them in Worcester. As a symbol of our support, we are flying the Ukrainian flag in Cathedral Square and lighting the Guildhall in blue and yellow. The Disasters Emergency Committee has now launched a Ukraine humanitarian appeal, and we would like to encourage anyone who feels able to make a donation to do so at www. Deck.org.uk The date of the candlelit vigil will be announced. The University of Worcester is also flying Ukraine's flag at both the University's St. John campus and at the Art House. Vice Chancellor Professor David Green said Colleagues and students throughout the university have been horrified by the Russian regime's invasion of of Ukraine. The needless deaths of civilians, including children, as well as soldiers, the injuries to many more and the displacement of so many people is truly devastating.
2: A programme of activities will be taking place in Worcester as part of the Knife Angel visiting the city. The statue will be the focus for a full programme of events surrounding community safety throughout Worcester. There is also due to be workshops held at Worcester Cathedral's Undercroft Learning Centre and Councillor Mark Baylis, Worcester City Council leader, said people often think knife crime and violence as something that happens in other cities. However, the most commonly reported type of crime involves threats of violence without injury. We hope that the knife angel's visit can be a catalyst for change. We are actively encouraging visits from schools, colleges and community groups. Guest speakers who have experienced violence firsthand will talk to young people about the impact it has had as well as the long-term consequences for perpetrators. West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion said knife crime is a cultural issue that we need to tackle as a society. As Commissioner, I am committed to playing my part in his societal change. This means tackling crime at the root through education, prevention and ensuring the police are well resourced for enforcement. The Knife Angel is iconic and continues to make an impact, particularly with the workshops and preventative work linked to its arrival. We are all aware of the devastating impact of knife crime and having this clear visual reminder will play another part in helping to keep our communities safe. The very Reverend Peter Atkinson, Dean of Worcester, said, We are delighted to be able to host the learning and engagement sessions for young people visiting the Knife Angel in our newly redeveloped Undercroft Learning Centre at Worcester Cathedral. Therefore, it is a fulfilment of this vision to host sessions supporting the Knife Angels' objective to create social change and raise awareness of the effect of violent crime. The Cathedral will also be providing an opportunity for the whole community to engage with the Knife Angels through space for prayer and reflection and through our memorial service.
0: The organisers behind a popular car boot sale have released a disappointing update. Bargain hunters were disappointed to find out Ketch car boot sale would not be going ahead this year. Plans to move the car boot sale to Upton upon Seven have fallen through and the hunt is on for a new site in Worcester for 2023. A statement from the organisers said, Due to a change in circumstances, we won't now be able to go ahead with our plans to move to Upton and so, unfortunately, the car boot sale won't be running this year. We're still looking out for a suitable new site in the Worcester area to reopen next year, however, so keep following our page for updates on what we'll be doing in the future. Ketch car boot sale is closed this year. Ketch Car Boot used to be held by the Ketch Roundabout next to the A440 Southern Link Road in Worcester. However, the car boot had to find a new home after the field was sold to make way for affordable housing built on the former Ketch Car Boot site. In 2020, the Covid pandemic brought a halt to the popular event and the following year it moved to a new field along Broom Way dual carriageway. It is traditionally held every Sunday and bank holiday Monday from 6am until 1pm. The car boot usually attracts hundreds of shoppers as well as regular stallholders and as well as ongoing roadworks at the Ketch roundabout, there has also been a number of homes built in the area too. <coughs> Last month, living space housing and social housing Provider Stonewater revealed proposals to build 79 homes on the former Aston Coaches depot off Bath Road between Worcester and Kemsey. The application was formally put forward last month but was removed within days from the Council's planning list because of missing information. If given the green light, the development would sit between an already approved 92-home plan on the former Ketch Car Boot site next to Worcester and another 92-home plan on the corner of Bath Road and the Broomhall Lane, which is still to be decided.
1: A A vegan restaurant has had a humorous response to criminal damage at its city centre venue. A mystery person cracked a pane of glass at the Be The Change in New Street, leaving the team having to board it up. But staff took the chance to poke fun at the situation by putting up a sign saying, no tofu is kept in these premises overnight. Anthony Cheshire, who owns Be The Change alongside wife Zoe, said they always try to see the bright side. He said, I mean, to be honest, we've been doing this for four years now, and we know there are days where you come in and something has happened. It's not something that is in our control. Part of being a successful business is being able to deal with things when they happen. When it happened, my initial thought was, well, that's going to take up a few hours of my day. As well as the restaurant on New Street, the couple also own a cafe in Corn Market. We were broken into in Corn Market three years ago and that felt more personal because someone had been inside and taken something, he said. This, though, is just part of being on a popular street that is busy, which we usually reap the benefits of. After posting on social media, customers congratulated them for seeing the funny side and joined in saying it was a close kale and the work of Satan. We've got a really nice following on social media and thought it was a chance to show what we stand for. One comment said it could be non-vegans making a statement, but Mr Cheshire thought it was unlikely. He said, if it was, it wasn't particularly well done. I don't know if someone targeted us because we are a vegan business, but there are better ways to do it. Nothing about it suggests that. I assume there were some jolly japes happening in New Street overnight. It wasn't shattered, so nobody has attempted to break in. I think someone has fallen against it. They are getting quotes at the moment, but believe it will cost between 200 to £500 to replace the glass at the listed building. We've got insurance for it, but I think by the time you've paid the excess, it will be cheaper paying out.
2: Tributes have been paid to a beloved landlady of a country pub who died after a brief illness. Landlady Judy Allen died on Monday morning at Worcestershire Royal Hospital after more than three decades at the Mug House in Claines. Her son Russell said he was inundated with calls and messages of condolences from people wanting to pay tribute to his mum. He said, when you got to know her, you wouldn't meet a better person, but if you got on the wrong side of her, she would put you straight. We have made some really good friends out of the pub over the last 30 years. The amount of phone calls from people offering to do things, we've had messages from as far away as Devon. She loved this place to pieces and always said, if anything happened to me, I want to be stuffed and put on the bench out of the front. I can't do that, but I'm talking to the church about who makes their scarecrows scarecrows for the Scarecrow Festival so we can have one made of her to sit out front. Mum was renowned for having a glass of red wine and wearing a pinny, so she'll be posed like that. She was the pub and the pub was her. That's what's going to be difficult about reopening. It wasn't just the pub. It was mum that made it special and without her it's going to be completely different. House claims to remain closed following Judy's death. It will remain closed until further notice with Mr Allen unsure at the moment whether it will reopen with him at the helm. Nobody can fill mum's shoes. I'm having a meeting with a brewery who might make the decision for me, but I also want to think about what I want to do. At the moment, I feel like I want to carry on for Claines and for mum. Funeral plans are being organised by Mr. Allen will, and they will follow his mum's wishes to be cremated in a private family ceremony. Traditionally, a memorial service is held at Worcestershire County Cricket Club following the death of prominent Worcestershire pub landladies and landlords. Originally from Selly Mrs Allen moved to Ireland and lived around Essex where she began work as a sales rep before moving to the Midlands. After helping out behind the bar of the horse and jockey in Sutton Coldfield, she was told she'd become a landlady. Expressing a wish to work at a country pub within three weeks, she was the landlady at the Great Western in Bewdley before fulfilling her dream of owning a countryside pub with a move to the Mug House in June 1989. The Mug is thought to be one of the only pubs on consecrated ground in the UK. Under Mrs Allen, it has welcomed the 2014 Grand National winning horse Pinot Doré and at Christmas hosted a memory tree in honour of James O'Mara, who died aged 13.
0: Mainly, the Worcester Repair Café involves meeting some nice people on the second Saturday of each month at Unity House, Stanley Road, wr 5 one be There are cakes, tea and coffee, but also people who repair things. It's best to join in with the repair volunteer to learn about how your item is getting fixed, be it a toy or furniture, piece of clothing or whatever. The underlying reason for the cafe is because it takes a lot of energy, be it fuel or electricity, to make new things. If a broken item can be repaired, it saves making a new one. You have to use energy to dig up the materials that make the thing that ship it halfway around the world for you for a brief moment in the sun before it goes back underground in landfill for many years. Fairly often the one broken component rendering said item useless is the only one small piece which can hopefully be fixed giving the whole a new lease of life. Every small repair adds up to a big saving in resources energy and the demand for re- landfill. The cafe doubles as a place for learning new skills in repairing. Maintenance is another area of skill-sharing with many items, such as tools or furniture. The joints in tables and chairs can get loose over time and may need tightening. Failure to do this could mean the joint breaks, making the repair much more difficult. Each kind of item needs its own kind of maintenance, and as they say, a stitch in time saves nine. So why don't you give it a go? The repairs are free, although the tea and coffee isn't, and it's amazing what can be repaired. They are routinely successfully repairing more than three quarters of the items brought in. And I can vouch for that because I've used that repair cafe and it's um, extremely good, so I would certainly recommend it.
1: A gang of balaclava-clad burglars managed to get a heavy motorbike over a 10-foot hedge before getting a second stuck after being disturbed. The gang cut the security lights and CCTV at the home in Northwick Close off Northwick Road before carrying out the burglary. They managed to get one heavy motorbike over the tall hedge and left a second in the branches after police showed up in the early hours of Wednesday. A neighbour had seen suspicious activity at another home and called 999. Tools were stolen from a second house along the road. People are being warned about the burglaries as, they, as the owner of the motorbikes believes they were targeted by the gang. She said, I was woken up by the police at 3am Knock it, by the police knocking the door. A neighbour a few doors up the road phoned them saying they thought someone was in a garden and had heard a noise. Someone told police to check our house as we have stuff in the garden. They got me up and asked to look outside around outside. The burglars had cut the security lights and taken the doors off the sheds. Somehow they had managed to get one motorbike over the hedge and onto the lodge field. I'm not sure how they managed to get one of the motorbikes over the hedge, and the other was stuck halfway up the hedge. They are really heavy bikes. They left one on the lodge because I think it was too heavy to push. They must have targeted our house because they must have been prepared and they left behind a petrol can on the lodge too. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, We were called to reports of two attempted burglaries in the early hours of the morning in Northwick Close, Worcester. Investigations continue and if anyone has any information or CCTV footage relating to the incidents please contact police quoting incident number 78I or 144I of March the 2nd. Choristers from a school in Worcester
2: have performed a rendition of a Ukrainian folk song to stand in solidarity with the war-torn country. The gesture prompted a response from a school in Kiev, which reached out through Twitter to thank the King's School Worcester for their gesture of goodwill. It came after the school's choir performed Chedrychki as part of their senior school Ash Wednesday service held this week in Worcester Cathedral. Pechach School International said, This means a lot to us. Our sincerest thanks to you for singing for us and all of the people of Ukraine. Head teacher of the King's School Worcester, Gareth Dudes, said, This recording of the Ukrainian folk song Chedrik by Mykola Leontovic has been sent to every secondary school I can find in Kiev to show solidarity, love and support from the entire king's community during these dark days. The piece was written in 1916 by Ukrainian composer Mykola Leontovic. The choir sang this to show the school's solidarity with all Ukrainians. A spokesperson from the King's School said many people will recognise this song as a well-known Christmas piece. However, the song was originally a folk song to herald the coming of spring. It tells of a swallow flying into a household to announce the plentiful year that the family will enjoy. The song's title is derived from the Ukrainian word Shedritshii, and I don't know whether that's pronounced correctly, but it's supposed to mean bountiful. After the service, the song was shared with every secondary school in Kyiv to show the school solidarity from the entire King's community to people who are, like us all, consumed with dreams and
0: hopes. Students at New College Worcester have been experimenting with audio instructions that help visually impaired people build Lego kits independently. Lego has been used by students in a variety of lessons at New College Worcester since 2019 when the school collaborated with the Lego group on a trial of Lego Braille bricks. Now, Audio Lego is making the construction toy even more accessible and New College Worcester students have been finding out how the audio instructions compare to the written. One year 13 student said he was able to construct a full set entirely independently, thanks to Audio Lego.
1: The mystery buyer behind a soon-to-close supermarket in St John's has been revealed. It is believed Gladman Retirement Living and Adlington Retirement Living plans to transform the co-op in St John's into a retirement village. Councillor Richard Udall revealed the company has been in touch to say it will be submitting a planning application soon. Worcester News has contacted Gladman Retirement Living and Adlington Retirement Living. Councillor Udall, along with fellow St John's councillors Matthew Lamb and Robin Norfolk, have been invited to speak with developers in an email seen by Worcester News. The co-op supermarket in the Bullring will be closing on Saturday, April 9th, after 130 years in St John's. Councillor Udall said, "'It's good that we now finally know who we are dealing with. I hope and believe there is room for compromise.' It's clear the majority of St John's residents and other traders do not want to lose the entire site to retail or lose the community use of the car park. I hope we can ensure that a percentage of the site, especially the road frontage, remains as shops and we can keep St John's as a commercial and a retail district. We need new destination and specialist retail in St John's. This could create an opportunity to secure some retail space, attract new retailers and have a shared residential use. Although we are willing to discuss and compromise, we have our red lines. The preservation of St John's as a retail and a commercial centre with shops is something we will defend. A spokesperson for Co-op said, Co-op is moving forward with a real purpose and momentum. And while this usually involves opening new stores, we also regularly review our existing locations and have to take these difficult decisions. The decision to close any store is not taken lightly and only after careful consideration will our store in St John's close on the 9th of April. This is in no way a reflection of the commitment and hard work of colleagues who have been informed and who are being fully supported. We would like to thank the community for its support of this store over the years and remain committed to serving our members and customers in Worcester from our stores locally and across the area. A shocked councillor was stunned to
2: discover a fly-tipping site next to a new housing development in Worcester. John Renshaw at St Peter's Parish Council A St Peter's Parish Councillor was alerted by a resident to a collection of dumped goods just off Taylor's Lane between St Peter's and Norton. The site, located near the pear tree fields, contained an old fridge, several bags of rubbish, furniture and double glazing units. Mr Renshaw has reported the site to Malvern Hills District Council and Kempsey Parish Council. He said... At first I thought it was just a glazing unit which had been discarded there, but on further investigation there was an old fridge, a mattress, bags of rubbish, some furniture items, as well as the glazing. It's more than likely what I discovered is the result of several fly-tipping incidents. I've reported the site to Malvern H D C as the fly-tipping is just within their jurisdiction, and I've also made Kempsey Parish Council aware. This follows another incident in February where an armchair was fly-tipped at an address in Fox Drive in St Peter's. On that occasion, I arranged for the armchair to be removed and taken to Bilford Road Tip. When fly-tipping occurs, it is actually the landowner's responsibility to clear it up in most cases. This, Councillor Renshaw said, was unfair on the landowners as they are the victim of flag tipping but are forced to take responsibility. He added, I feel that local councils should be obliged to help. The homeowner or landowner is very much the victim in this and I'd like to see local councils change their approach. If that requires a change in the law to enable it, then so be it. St Peter's and the surrounding area has been my home for the past 18 years, so I naturally care very much about what happens here, and fly tipping is a sight no one wants to see. Fly tipping can be reported to Worcester City Council via self uh, under a site reporting issues. When reporting, residents are encouraged to provide a description of the people fly-tipping, a full description and registration of any vehicles involved,
0: as well as details of what was fly-tipped. A care home in Worcester launched a creative initiative to get children into reading. Long story short, Residents at Care UK's Perry Manor on Charles Hastings Way were recorded reading popular children's books and presenting them on their Facebook page and spread the word about National Storytelling Week. The initiative was designed to encourage children in the local community to develop their creativity interest in reading while giving them the opportunity to enjoy being read to by an older person. The videos created also offered support to children who may have missed out on seeing their own grandparents regularly. Over several days, residents took turns to read children's favourites, including Spot's Birthday Party, Spot Bakes a Cake, Dear Zoo and Fox's Socks, all ideal for children under six. Wayne Roberts, a resident at Perry Manor who took part in the initiative, said... I would do anything for children, so I thought reading out loud was a great idea. I hope the videos spread far and wide, even beyond our Worcester community. (coughs) Catherine Matthews, Home Manager Perry Manor, said, Residents loved putting their reading glasses on to celebrate National Storytelling Week and share some childhood favourites with the local community virtually. Reading aloud has many therapeutic benefits for older people, including those living with dementia, It can help residents with a declining eyesight while having a soothing effect and giving them an alternative way to communicate. It's also an enjoyable activity that family and friends can do with their loved ones when paying them a visit. We were pleased to be able to bring families closer together and we hope our bookish residents have inspired children all over Worcester to dive into their favourite books, who again or discover new ones. Who knows? We may launch a book club for all the generations in the future.
1: A city pub and restaurant looks set for a makeover as part of plans to build a bigger garden terrace. The Timberdine off Worcester's Bath Road will be refurbished under new plans by owners Harvester as part of work that will include a new bar and outdoor terrace. A planning application submitted to Worcester City Council shows new signs, cladding, screens and doors in a bid to massively improve the Grade 2 listed but increasingly outdated building and decor. Plans also show a bigger garden terrace for eating and drinking to add to the existing outdoor seating. A statement included with the application said... Proposed works to repair the existing flat roof entrance porch will ensure there is adequate fixings for new millboard cladding. This will massively improve the existing dated look and will visually look more in keeping with the building along the new signage. These will establish a, re- a refresh in appearance to locals and those using the public house and will repair the otherwise rotten entrance. One objection has so far been raised by a neighbour who is concerned that allowing more people to eat and drink outside will lead to late-night noise and disturbance. The objection from a resident in nearby Barbell Crescent said, I object to the creation of a new rear customer terrace. During the Euros football tournament, we had to endure countless sleepless nights where the noise from the fans and banging drums went on past 11.30pm, even on a Wednesday night. I feel this terrace would encourage more sporting events and I think it is incredibly unfair on the residents in the vicinity to have to put up with this noise, especially those with young children. I do not object to the internal works and changes to entrance porch, but anything outside is not suitable for the location of the restaurant which is right in the middle of a residential area. The proposals can be viewed by the planning section of Worcester City Council's website. A new late-night
2: taxi rank looks likely to be set up in the city centre after plans were supported by councillors. Worcester City Council is looking to use a bus stop next to the city centre's Cathedral Square as a late-night taxi rank following talks with drivers. The Council's Income Generation Subcommittee has agreed to a 28-day consultation on the plans to give the public the chance to offer its views and, if approved, could see the taxi rank up and running officially ahead of the summer. At the moment, the bus stop would be open every day to taxis between 8.30pm and 6am the following morning. Councillor Jenny Barnes said having to walk from one end of the high street to the other to find a taxi was a real issue and supported the idea of opening the taxi rank earlier from 7pm. Councillor Simon Garrity said the county council was looking to improve bus travel in the future, including later services, and had struck a balance with the city council and bus provider Stagecoach over the rank's opening time. The plan was backed by Councillor Richard Udall saying the move was an important step forward with Councillor Mark Bayliss calling the new rank a sensible idea. Councillor Simon Cronin said the current situation had been ridiculous and argued the taxi rank should have been put in place officially several years ago. Councillor Pat Eger said the council needed to do all it could to support the taxi rank. Anything that makes it easier to find a taxi has to be good, she said during the meeting in the Guildhall on Monday 7th March. The bus stop is already being used informally by taxi drivers in the city centre to wait for and pick up passengers after bus services have finished for the day. The existing rank, which was moved to make way for the multi-million pound Cathedral Square redevelopment, only has space for one taxi. The area, now home to dozens of bars and restaurants, has drawn in more visitors since opening in 2017 and has resulted in a greater need for taxis, particularly late at night.
0: A children's charity in Worcester has been handed £20,000 via a city business. The Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust has been given the funding by Sutcliffe & Co insurance brokers through the Aviva Bruker Community Fund. This will enable the charity to help support families affected by childhood cancer and set up therapeutic groups in the Trust's new family therapy room. Sutcliffe & Co. secured the funding, the maximum amount available from the community fund, to help support the charity's work in the city and further afield. Managing Director Duncan Sutcliffe said, Grace Kelly Childhood Trust has always been a charity that has been close to our hearts and we have supported many fundraising activities over the years, such as Oscar Sackleby Lee's Treatment Appeal. It's an amazing scheme which Aviva runs and where over the moon the charity won the." Maximum funding the Grace Kelly Trust helped the family of Oscar Saxelby Lee while he underwent treatment for leukemia in Singapore. Oscar's story hit the headlines all over the world as the community came together and showed their support. Jen Kelly, CEO of the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust, said, "We are truly grateful to Sutcliffe and Co. for the wonderful support they' have given the Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust over the last few years." This Aviva Broker community funding will make a big difference to our family support service at the Trust. We are proud that we are currently able to support local families financially, practically and emotionally following the diagnosis of their child with cancer. The Trust receives no statutory funding so we are reliant on our fundraisers and supporters to help us raise the funds and need to keep our service running. Support from businesses such as Sutcliffe & Co. make a big difference to the support we are able to offer. We are also very grateful to the Aviva Broker Community Fund for giving us this funding opportunity.
1: The Flying Scotsman steamed into Worcester's Shrub Hill station at the weekend to the delight of a large crowd of onlookers. The locomotive, arguably the most famous in the world, has had left London Paddington on Saturday morning pulling steam train the Cotswold Venturer and day trippers enjoying both a scenic railway journey and a few hours exploring Worcester. Shrimp Hill station had more members of staff on the platforms than it would on a usual Saturday in anticipation of large crowds, and the public didn't disappoint, turning out in their dozens on a cold but bright day. The weather, was a far cry from the storms of a fortnight earlier that had caused the Flying Scotsman's scheduled visit of February the 19th to be cancelled. Onlookers were guided by staff to view the Flying Scotsman from Platforms 2 and 3, giving its passengers plenty of room to get off at Platform 1. Among those waiting was young Ace Lampit and his mum, Michelle. Five-year-old Ace watches the trains at Shrub Hill most days but was especially looking forward to seeing the Flying Scotsman. There were a few tense moments as another train waited a while at Platform 2 as the minutes ticked down to the Scotsman's arrival, but it did move eventually and it seemed that most people were able to get a good view of the Scotsman and its long line of carriages pulling into Worcester. Many people then made their way to the end of Platform 2 to get a closer look at the engine itself. The Scotsman stayed there for about 20 minutes before heading off into the sidings at Shrub Hill, while service staff in the carriages could be seen laying tables ready for the Cotswold Venturers passengers to return in the afternoon. The Scotsman was spotted in a few places in Worcester, including briefly at the city's other station, Fourgate Street, as it turned around on tracks north of Shrub Hill known as the Triangle. The engine pulled back into Shrub Hill at about 4.20pm before picking up its passengers and heading back down towards London Paddington but not before giving a few more fans the chance to catch a glimpse of and take that all-important photo on the way.
2: A former X Factor contestant is making a return to national television on ITV's latest singing show. Gathan Chima from Bransford, Worcester, who appeared on the talent show in 2012, has revealed he'll be appearing on Starstruck later this month. The ITV series, airing weekly on Saturday night primetime, sees ordinary members of the public with an exceptional talent team up to transform into some of the world's biggest music stars. The broadcaster's rules mean... The 31-year-old is having to remain tight-lipped about his appearance and which star he'll be transforming into on the programme, which will air on Saturday, September 26. Mr Chima could say, though, that he has kept up his performing over the years since his X Factor appearance. I've still been performing, he said. I've been doing my tributes, Michael Jackson and Bruno Mars. People will recognise me from those shows. Covid, of course, proved difficulty, but thankfully it has started to pick up again. In recent years, Mr Chima has also been caring for son Addison with mum Katie Rule. As we reported in 2020, Medics saved baby Addison's life after he had a heart attack at just four months old. Addison survived against the odds, Miss Rule calling him a true superhero. Providing an update, Mr. Chima said, He's doing so well now, he's two and running around. He's not out of the woods, he'll definitely need more surgery, but as it stands, he's growing well. Mr. Chima, who chopped his hair to help the Little Princess Trust and raised money for Birmingham Children's Hospital, said he's now planning other fundraisers, including taking part in the Berlin Skate Marathon next year. Gaytan appeared on The X Factor in 2012, where he made it boot camp. His performance of "Respect" by Aretha Franklin earned him a place in the final and in the final stages of boot camp, but his cover of Maroon 5's payphone did not cut it with the judges. Ollie Mers hosts Starstruck with actress Sheridan Smith, Queen frontman Adam Lambert, comedian Jason Manford, and musical theatre star Beverly Knight on the panel. Shows are broadcast on ITV1 or catch up on the ITV Hub.
0: A plan to build a new all-weather sports pitch in the city will be discussed by councillors. Worcester City Council is continuing to look at building new football facilities at the city's Purdeswell Leisure Centre, including an all-weather pitch. Reports earlier this week had suggested the council's relating project to build an indoor futsal facility could be scrapped in favour of building more five-a-side pitches. The council has said that building a new all-weather pitch in the city would be dependent on funding from the Football Foundation, the charity responsible for channelling government, FA and Premier League money into grassroots football. If the charity agreed to give the council the money to fund the all-weather pitch, any profit would have to be used for future maintenance or reinvested. The Council carried out a study at the end of 2019, looking at whether it would be possible to open the new facilities next to the City Leisure Centre off Brilford Road, but the costs used in and report were out of date and needed reviewing the council agreed to fund a £25,000 study in 2018 to look into installing an all-weather sports pitch and futsal pitches at Purdeswell, which should have been published and discussed by councillors in late 2019. But it was put on the back burner as the shift focused to other projects. At the end of last year, City Council revealed it would be paying up to £10,000 to revisit and update its now two-year-old study. A tailor-made document for Worcester from the Football Foundation has shown a need for five full-size 3G football pitches, 28 improved grass pitches, two new changing rooms, Pavilion or clubhouse facilities, and six small sided pitches, which includes five, six, or seven aside pitches. Worcester City has since moved into new facilities at Clanes Lane, and state of the art all weather hockey pitches are new- nearly built on land off Droitwich Road. Top of the list for potential improvements that could receive FA or government funding in the future and the main priority for the city would be the new full-size floodlit pitch, an indoor futsal facility at council-owned key site, Perdiswell, the document said. A
1: local GP has dismissed claims of a war between cyclists and drivers after making the switch to cycling to work. Dr Steve Cockerham, GP at Spring Gardens Medical Practice, has taken up cycling to work last month as his surgery strives to achieve an environmentally conscious award. He praised the majority of drivers for being considerate after making the transport switch. Dr Cockerham said... I am particularly amazed at how careful the majority of drivers are. If you look at YouTube and social media, it's easy to get the idea there is a war on between cyclists and drivers. I have not experienced that at all. As part of the initiative to reduce his carbon footprint, Dr Cockram and the Spring Gardens Medical Practice have also been encouraging staff and patients to commute to the surgery via active travel and cycling. He said... A lot of my time as a GP is spent sitting and listening to people. I felt that I wasn't getting enough exercise, but don't have time to go to the gym. Commuting to work by bike is a win-win solution. Starting during the winter may seem like an odd decision, but I thought that if I can keep it up through winter, it will be a breeze in spring. I feel more energetic and start each workday with a clear head. It has been such a positive experience that I thought I would write a blog about it. I tell patients to get more exercise, but sometimes we need to take our own medicine. Spring Gardens Medical Practice in Spring Gardens has already has bike stands, but intends to upgrade and expand them. The surgery has been working towards the Green Impact Bronze Award provided by the Green Impact Programme. Green Impact is a United Nations award-winning programme designed to support environmentally and socially sustainable practices within organisations. The surgery has solar panels on the roof, full, low-energy lighting and are asking patients and staff to try and commute to the surgery by active travel. The programme is also promoted by the University of Worcester. Wooster Worcester Secondary School will be holding a massive
2: festival to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Christopher Whitehead Language College will host live bands, dance and walkabout theatre. Di Howland, funding and events manager at the school, said, on the 11th of June, we are hosting a Platinum Jubilee community festival on the school grounds. We've booked a large outdoor stage... We are also having a similar, smaller second stage. The festival will take place from 12 till 8pm. A spokesperson from the event added, The festival will bring our community together by involving young people, families, care home residents, community groups, businesses and the local church. We aim to enrich lives, enable people to create, explore and participate in the creative arts encouraging everyone becoming involved, work together, creating ownership and a sense of belonging and well-being. There will be live music from local bands, musicians and choirs, including Blobby Williams, Lolly Parton, Polka Dot Robot, I Sing Choir and the Monday Night Club, dance performances from young people, including Studio B Performing Arts Centre and local schools. Plus Walkabout Theatre by Vamos, Vamos Theatre, Steve Chaos Circus Skills, djembe drubbing with drum love, drama, poetry reading, art workshops, face painting, activities and games, and a licensed bar provided by the Brunswick Arm um, Afternoon Tea Festival, Food and Much More Care. Support for this event has already been received from Councillor Richard Udall, Youthcom Radio, Saint John's Church, the Red Cross, Tesco, Saint Peter's, Platinum Housing, and other local businesses and community groups. We hope you will save the date—that was eleventh of June—and join us in celebrating the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Thanks to the funding, entrance to the event will be free
0: of charge. And now some news of the sport. Worcester City will show their solidarity with the country of Ukraine by wearing their blue and yellow kit, the colours of the Ukraine national flag, for the remainder of the 2021 22 season. Providing there is not a clash of colours with opposing sides, City will don their way, away strip for all home and away matches, beginning with their Midland Football League Premier Clash at Walsall Wood tonight. In a mark of solidarity for Ukraine, we have agreed with the MFL that for all games, home and away, we'll be wearing our away colours, where there are no colour clashes expected. For the remainder of the season, read the club tweet. The club also invited city supporters to donate to the Disaster Emergency Committee Collective Appeal to provide emergency aid and rapid relief to civilians suffering during the conflict. Football clubs across the globe are uniting in support of Ukraine, who are under invasion by Russian troops. Walsall would have changed the colours of their club logo on social media to blue and yellow. Premier League captains up and down the country wore special Ukrainian flag armbands last weekend and there were thousands of flags at games at professional and non-league level.
1: International cricket is coming to New Road this summer. The England Lions take on the touring South Africa side in Worcester on July the 14th for a 50-over match. It is the second of two 50-over games for the tourists before they face England in three one-day internationals, ODIs, at Durham, Manchester and Leeds. England women are also in action in Worcester this summer as they too take on South Africa in an IT20 on July the 23rd. Then, in September, the England under-19s will face Sri Lanka in two ODIs at New Road on September the 5th and 8th. The England Physical Disability Team will also play the world-famous Lord Taverners Eleven in a prestigious match to be played at New Road on Friday, June the 10th. The match will take place ahead of the Worcestershire Rapids versus Derbyshire Falcons meeting in the Vitality Blast. The day will help to raise awareness and funds to support the work of the Lords Taverners, which is the UK's leading youth cricket and disability sports charity. The Lords Taverners breaks down barriers and empowers disadvantaged and disabled young people to fulfil their potential and build life skills. The match at New Road is the first of two against the England Physical Disability Team, with the other taking place at Tring. On Sunday, the 7th of August, ECB Head of Disability Cricket, Ian Martin, said the England physical disability squad are looking forward to playing the Lord's Taverners at New Road and celebrating the partnership that exists between ECB and the country's leading sports for social development charity. The match will take on added significance following approval to build the world's first inclusive cricket centre in Worcester. The centre will not only increase access for cricket for disabled people but allows us to strengthen partnerships with the Lords Taverners, Worcestershire County Cricket Club and Worcester University whose expertise will help drive a truly innovative project. The day promises to be a real highlight in our fixture calendar and a great celebration of the opportunities that exist for disabled people to access our sport Entry to the fixture is included with all tickets for the Vitality Blast fixture against Derbyshire, which will be available via Worcestershire County Cricket Club from today.
2: Steve Diamond did not pull any punches in his assessment of Worcester Warriors' 43-12 Gallagher Premiership defeat at London Irish last weekend. Discipline was once more Warriors' undoing as they were made to pay a ruthless Irish side at the Brentford Community Stadium. The visitors played most of the second half with 14 men after Scotland winger Duhan van der Merwe was shown a red card for a forearm to the face of Kyle Rowe, and the hosts made it count to run out 43 to 12 winners in the end. Christian Judge was shown a yellow card in the first half and a half-time the game was already getting away from Worcester at 17-5. to But an early Irish score from former Worcester hooker Augustine Creevy and van der Merve's red card proved decisive as Worcester were well beaten. I'm disappointed, really, as we've grown over the last two, three weeks, but our discipline and work rate let us down and we cracked under the pressure three or four times, he said. I don't want to come out after games and say it was a learning, because it wasn't. It is bare fact that some of us aren't good enough. And that was proven today. Yes, the red card didn't help and maybe it was slightly harsh, but the referee can only apply the laws of the game and he did. But I don't think that was the main difference in the teams today because the game was done and dusted before and shortly after half-time. Heads went down and that is when you really see the calibre of people. Diamond has been assessing players since he took over as head coach back in January and he admitted there are some difficult decisions to be made on certain individuals as he looks to build a side for next season. I know where we are in the same positions but the jury is still out in three or four others, he said. There are some difficult decisions to be made if we want to make the step up to the highly competitive We need people to put their hand up every week and not just every other week. We weren't at it today and we have to dust ourselves down again and get better. As a result of Bath's win over Bristol, the Blue, Black and Whites overtook Worcester to leave
0: Warriors rock bottom on points different. And that is the end of our contribution for this week. Thank you for listening. The obituaries will follow the music. So it just remains for us now to say keep safe and until next time, goodbye. 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 John Patrick Hopkins died peacefully on February the 17th. Service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, March the 11th at 2.30. All inquiries to Bedwetting Funeral Services. Denise Sonia Jenkins passed away peacefully on the 19th of February. A funeral will be held on Friday the 18th of March at 1pm Worcester Crematorium. Everyone is welcome. Family flowers only, but donations if desired to Midlands Air Ambulance, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Malvern. Brian Wood passed away peacefully on February the 19th. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, March the eleventh, at ten forty-five. Any flowers and inquiries, please, to Bedwetine Funeral Services. Barbara Bennett, née Jones, passed away peacefully on February the twentieth. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, the thirtieth of March, at thirteen hundred hours. Donations in memory of Barbara will be gratefully received for the Alzheimer's Society, left in the collection box available or sent directly to the Alzheimer's Society Plymouth PL2 3DU. Inquiries to the Co-op Funeral Care. Timothy Walter Hines, known as Tim, passed away peacefully on the 21st of February Funeral service to be held at St Mary Magdalen Church, Broadwas, on Monday the 14th of March at 11.30am. Family flowers only please, but donations, if desired, can be left uh, in a donation box provided to St Richard's Hospice. And Ruth Evangeline Thomas passed away peacefully on the 22nd of February, aged 107. A funeral service at St Mary's Church, Kemsey, on Tuesday May 15th at 11.30, followed by a private cremation. Family flowers only, please. Donations to Acorns Children's Hospice and St Mary's Church may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services. Jean Dobbins sadly passed away on Wednesday, March 2nd. R.I.P. And Nigel Coombs, passed away peacefully at St. Richard's Hospice on the 3rd of March. And our thoughts and prayers are with all those bereaved at this very difficult time.